Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Black Panther. Black Panther is a 2018 Marvel movie, American superhero movie based on Marvel Comics character of the same name. It is the 18th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And on a budget of 200 million, it grossed over $1.3 billion. Like that for me is just insane. Welcome to Neuroresiliency, the show that we take a look into the depths of beyond. And so today we're gazing into the Black Panther, uh, the movie, because it is something that I've wanted to do for a while. Whenever I watch movies, I'm really obsessed with not necessarily the plot that's going on in the movie, but rather the world that the movie takes place in. And Black Panther was one for me that just blew my mind. It absolutely blew my mind. So we'll get into that um, in just a very easy way of talking about the pros and the cons of the movie, the pros and the cons. And what do I mean by the cons? Well, yeah, we'll get into that. Yes, absolutely. If you're interested to hear how the economics of Wakanda actually are terrible, and if you compare Wakanda to like a real world country today, how it would be all the ones that we see zero democracy, then hang around for that. But for a little bit of praise first. So one of one of the two huge praises, I suppose there's three really that we could go for, is the costume design, the world design, the sound design. These three things won like awards, got nominated for tons of things as well. Like they were incredible, just absolutely breathtaking. So a little bit on the costumes first. So uh, Ruth Carter actually won, I think she won the Oscar for this, where she had um, like the headdress of the Queen Mother was actually, um, it's it's basically it's a 3D print of a Zulu uh, married woman's headdress as well. Uh, the neck rings from the uh, the Dora Milaje, you know, the warrior, the warrior women, uh, the neck rings are from the Indabele tribe. You know, but then if we break down literally everything, uh, like it will be here for a while. So, like, I mean, if you just look at the Dora Melange, you look at their um, the painting, the colors that they use on their heads and things like that. That's from a different tribe. If you look at their net rings, it's from one tribe in Africa as well. And then if you look at their clothing, their clothing is from like I think I believe it was a tribe in Kenya. Um, the inspiration from remember the tribe where the guy was um, training rhinos and they all had the blankets and they were the shields. So that particular tribe, that those blankets come from the Basutu people uh, of Lesotho in South Africa. Yes, Lesotho is a country that's inside another country. It's inside South Africa. And so, you know, that's their inspiration there as well. But that particular character also had scarification along um, the ridge of his uh, cheeks. And that scarification is significant because it's more central and Western African. You know, those types of scarification rituals. I know, I, I, sorry, I lie. I believe that his scarification was from Sudan, whereas Killmonger scarification is completely different. So actually, if you look at the inspiration for the decorations, the actual items themselves, it's sourced from all, all these African countries. It was beautiful, just absolutely beautiful. Something that still, you know, like I'll look into the details and I'll see, oh, scarification. Well, let's take a look at the scarification. And you see the scarification from 
you know, like I said, South Sudan, and then you see scarification from, you know, West Africa, and you see scarification from, I think there was one other form of scarification, you know, from a different place. Um, And they're all in different characters as well. And then you had, um, you know, the language as well. The language in it was actually uh, T'Challa's, you know, uh, Chadwick Boseman's um, character. His father, T'Chaka, is actually a very famous South African actor who speaks Xhosa. And so, um, you know, the language that they used in the um, in the actual movie was Xhosa, which is quite interesting as well, considering, um, you know, it is a significant Bantu language. It was the language of Nelson Mandela as well. So I think that that was a good choice there. Whether that was by choice or accident, it's, it doesn't matter. It's still, you know, like the best parts. So choosing all these things is fantastic. I, I think it's great. And then the world design, the second point, the, the, the world design was beautiful from choosing the actual location somewhere in Central Africa. It's supposed to be landlocked. They, they say it's um, according to like the map where you see the meteor strike in, in, um, in the beginning in the animation. Um, it's somewhere near like Kenya, essentially. So it's somewhere like right in the heart of Africa, essentially. And that was quite interesting first and foremost, you know, to represent this idea of like, they are all nations. Okay, great. Um, But then when the uh, designers were out in Lesotho checking out other things, they really took inspiration from, you know, the mountain range, which is the Drakensberg mountains, um, you know, that's around Lesotho. So that you will see when they're flying through um, into Wakanda, you see the inspiration in just the environment, the natural environment. It's actually inspired from Lesotho as well. But then there are uh, myriad buildings which we can see the architecture in Wakanda. Just in the very few scenes that you kind of get a glimpse of it, you'll see the buildings, uh, buildings inspired from like Timbuktu, Mali, Burkina Faso, but then also traditional things like the the Zulu uh, Karal, you know, things like that. There's there's a whole bunch. Um, they're inspired as well. Very, very cool stuff. Um, and that's also to, to talk about um, things that work in all cultures as well. Um, in Africa, you see the, the triangle, those geometric s- shapes. You see them in a lot of the designs um, again and again. Um, and that was, that was a huge inspiration there. The other thing is the language, or rather the script, the writing style of... Wakanda was actually, um, I looked into this because I was very, I was very curious about it as a linguist, you know, I'm a trained linguist. What does that mean? Well, 15 years in a classroom teaching languages, studying other languages, as well as a master's degree in applied linguistics. So for me, I was very curious about where do they get the script? Did they just come up with it? You know, like this, there's a segment of languages called conlangs, constructed languages, where people literally just make up languages and scripts for shows like, you know, man of steel with Henry Cavill, literally someone created all the Kryptonian writing that you would see on the machines and stuff like that. You know, there's, there's a very famous guy. He's probably one of the most famous um, for constructed languages. And he created all the game of Thrones languages like Dothraki, uh, high Valerian, you know, and those are some of the most fleshed out languages in, um, you know, in literature, shall we say. You know, more fleshed out than Elvish is in Tolkien's world as well. Uh, more fleshed out than um, <laughs> Klingon in Star Trek. So 
um, you know, they really put in the time and effort. And it turned out to be inspired by an ancient Nigerian form style of writing. And before this, I, I'd never seen any kind of African, uh, let's say African writing systems ever. You know, if you go further south, th- there is no writing system. Why? I, I don't know why. I couldn't. I couldn't venture to guess. I mean, something along the lines of the idea of like history was still spoken word, um, but there w- there is an an old Nigerian form of writing, and that's what it was. Um, so that was also quite interesting. You know, like it's just so inspired. There's so much research, so much passion that just went into this that it blows my mind still to this day. I mean, we're talking now, what, 2018, it came out. If I remember at the beginning of the year, we're almost at the end of the year of, you know, 2023. So let's say it's going on ugh, six years of, of just still getting my mind blown every time I watch it, seeing something new. And that's not even to talk about hearing something new. So I always also suspected that there was something in it because. I could tell when a character was on stage. Now, this this goes all back to oh, to opera. There's um there's a great YouTube channel that talks about this, the history of themes. That is to say that you know if you watch Star Wars, every time Darth Vader walks in the room, you hear that. You know there are lighter themes where you see that he might be doubting, um, you know his his dark side and doubting himself. Uh, or where Luke is reflecting inwards, then you can hear this this kind of violin being plucked, its string being plucked as it goes like boom, 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 you know, very slowly as well. And so the idea of themes came in. And so the sound designer on this was phenomenal, phenomenal. So like, you know, the warrior women, the Dora Milaje, when they when they came in, you always had that that choo-choo-choo-choo-choo-choo-choo. Um, I know that sounds like a Star Wars like laser or something like that, but you know, if you think about Black Panther and you hear women singing that kind of choo-choo sound, um, that was the Dora Milaje. And that was also inspired by, you know, a particular African tribe and how they how they sang. You know, so like then it was a blending of different things. So for example, T'Challa. T'Challa had um what's called a talking drum, and this is also an uh, an African instrument uh very popularized in Senegal for example, uh, because you could change its pitch and its tone. So it changes the sound that it makes. And that's where you hear that do-do-do, And it's to, supposed to be saying the same as T'Challa, ba-ba-ba, do-do-do, So he created an instrument that literally spoke the name of T'Challa. And then underneath it was an 808 bass. Now, if you if you are not if you're not familiar with 808 or bass or you know like it was the Roland RT808 machine it's a drum machine back from the 80s or whatever and everyone uses it nowadays and if you like any music like trap or you know house or anything you know 808 bass is always underneath it um so to say that the talking drum was inspired from Africa then the 808 bass you could say was inspired from like um you know modern day let's say hip hop culture and then underneath it as well, sorry, the 808 bass is underneath it. And then on top of that, you've got the, the horns, the brass, which is traditionally reserved for royalty. And that, that was huge. So in saying all of this, we've got three very specific, uh, let's say, motifs for T'Challa. And when we combine them together, we get T'Challa's theme. 
And just like that, we also get Killmonger's theme. And that was also quite interesting where he had a like a string section, which was inspired from Bach. Um, he also had his own 808 theme as well. And then his was connected with what's called a Fula flute um, from the Fulani. Um, and so that, again, an African instrument, um, European instrument to represent intellect as well. And then the 808 bass um, that was there. And so you put all of these together and... You know, I'm just scratching the surface. I will leave links to all the stuff that I uh, that I've watched, you know, in over the years to to be able to just have this talk and just share this fanaticism for like well constructed worlds. It's it's amazing when when people put in passion into constructing the world in a particular way, especially the aesthetics. How does it look? How does it feel? You know, it it really gets a great result and. It's unfortunate that um, you know the second Black Panther movie, Wakanda Forever, it didn't hit as hard because you had already seen these amazing things. They just added on top of it, which was nice, but you know it it didn't have anywhere near the impact of the aesthetic of that. And they tried to represent that with the you know the um, the guy uh, Neymar, who was the the bad guy, the uh, protagonist, um, his whole culture descended from the Mayan and how would they look and how it, but it didn't, it didn't hit home at all. You know, I think something that would be more interesting was if you had like a modern day Mexican city that was blocked off from the world and they had developed their own style that actually was very um, Mayan and Aztec inspired. Now we're getting somewhere. What are the native, the native kind of designs that you would find in Central and South America? And putting them all together into one—that's what—that's what Black Panther was. So it's it's a big hodgepodge mix of everything, which I think is good. It's it's got its problems, you know. To think that oh, you know, you're from Africa, so everybody sounds the same if they're from Africa. Well, no, that's not true. You could be you will be able to pick up accents um, from various regions, just like you can hear the difference between an Italian and a Spanish accent. They they have their similarities, but they are different. Or a Korean and Japanese accent, they have their similarity similarities, but they are different. Just like an African language is going to have similarities and differences, and so their accents when they're speaking is going to have similarities and differences. And I find that that is interesting. Whereas everyone put on this kind of like this faux accent of what they think people from Africa sound like, and uh, you know I don't know if that does it justice. It's at least an introduction. And I know that Chadwick Boseman fought to have it uh, spoken like that rather than, um, you know, just a traditional, like, let's say, American English or like a neutral English uh, accent being put in. So I think that gave it a lot of personality. There's a lot of thought that has gone into this, which is phenomenal. Um, but, 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 and then we come into the cons. So what are the cons? Well, if we take a look at how... The structure of Wakanda actually works. Number one, you've got a family-based you know, system of government. A monarchy. Huh, look at that, a monarchy. And if you look at the real world, which countries have monarchies? Hmm, okay. Well, how about monarchies that actually govern? Now, now we're touching on something that's important, you know, because you could talk about European monarchies, but those are monarchies that are just figureheads, public you know, public-facing parts of an old world that doesn't exist anymore. 
you know, if you say, oh, well, the British royal family, well, they rule the country. Well, no, they don't. Technically, the parliament, you know, the House of Parliament rules the country. And then you still have on top of that, you know, the prime minister who technically rules the country. Okay, great. So if European monarchy doesn't work like that, well, which monarchy does work like that? And you start looking at like the Middle East, for example, Saudi Arabia, they have a family-based monarchical government. And so in that way, a child is born with the uh, getting text messages um, with the right to rule. Now that is problematic, problematic in itself. Why? Because we don't have a monarchy. We cannot elect leaders. Um, and more to the point, the leaders don't do anything to earn the right to rule. Um, they don't have to persuade people. They don't have to, you know, make themselves known to the people. People don't vote for them based on their their value systems or anything like that. They just get put into your office. And so if we're looking at this as well, you know, we do have a problem with this, which is that um, these people don't, they don't necessarily, they can't relate. So there was a great video that I watched about a Saudi prince. And the theory is that with a lot of money comes a lack of empathy an emotional numbness because you're unable to connect with people. This was also uh, pointed out that uh, Mitt Romney, when he was running for presidency here in the US, um, he gauged the average American income, you know, per annum, the medium American income at being $250,000. Now, Mitt Romney was also very famous for being very rich and conspicuous consumption and things like that. And um, what was interesting about this is that he was off by a factor of five. The fact is, is that $50,000 is the average American income. So, I mean, that's huge. So how out of touch will you be in this type of way when you've got a family-based monarchy? The second part of it is that it's also a single resource economy, a single resource economy. So you've got one resource and that's all that you use it for. You know, like that's, that's the entire basis of your economy. Well, what's going to happen with this singular resource economy. Well, I mean, if you look at Venezuela, Venezuela is a singular singular resource economy. The government put all of their stock into oil, oil prices take a hit, and all of a sudden the economy tanks. And it's still been in, you know, death grips for years as well. There, I mean, of course, the situation is far more complicated than this. But to say that your economy is based out of one resource, it creates problems because there's a fragility attached to the significance of that resource. Now, of course, Venezuela traded with the world, and this is another thing that comes up, is that 99% of the time in real-world economics, you will not see one country have an entire vertical chain for that resource in that country. Like you don't have the you know minerals that you then mine, and then the processing plant for that mineral as well as then the development of that mineral. So you usually ship it off to other countries that will do things for you. Like let's say a diamond mine in Botswana, great. But then processing those diamonds and putting them into jewels doesn't happen in Botswana. It happens in other countries all around the world. So the idea of like a singular resource economy has problems as well. Beyond that, you know, we've got this idea of like there are uh, – you know, five different tribes or five different clans, shall we say, and each has their leaders as well. Now, what is the leadership within there? Well, we don't know, but this type of system means that you've got the power of, you know, a large faction of people put into the hands of an individual. And we see this type of thing where these individuals 
may own the resource and you get this kind of like oligarchy like Russia, you know, where um, how open to challenge are those leaders, those elders, those clan rulers, for example. And what does challenge look like in Wakanda? It's a fight. It's not necessarily a debate. It's a physical fight. Like in what world does the leadership of a country come down to like a, you know, fisticuffs match? And what does that mean for, you know, sexism? Like which women could throw down with T'Challa? You know, is that a possibility? I mean, sure, but, you know, they're at a significant disadvantage. You have to look at an exceptional woman to be able to do that, who's got great training and all of this, where T'Challa has been, you know, raised in that mentality to be the Black Panther for years and years and years and years and years. So, yes, we can see the effects of this type of like uh, structure of government as well in the second movie when the Queen Mother, like, you know, she just loses her crap. She really does, you know, because obviously the son is dead and everything. And she spirals out of control and she lashes out at people. And in the first movie, you can see this also when, um, you know, T'Challa promises, oh, I'll bring your father's murderer to justice. And when he doesn't, that guy flips his loyalty like that, like, you, you know, so quick. And then as soon as as soon as uh, Killmonger comes in and brings the the dead body, he's like, oh, okay, uh, yeah, because you brought in that dead body of like my father's killer. You know what? I want you to be king. That's like saying you want the detective who caught you know the criminal to be the president. Like, what the hell is going on? And he starts fighting against you know his betrothed. I think it was his wife or his fiance or his girlfriend or whatever. But they were clearly together. And he starts fighting against her. Why? Because she is dedicated to Wakanda, or rather, you know, she's made a promise to protect the leader of Wakanda, and he's made a promise to what? Give his loyalty because this person fulfilled his revenge pact? Like, that is weird. That's really bizarre. Okay, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. The other thing is this idea of, like, the sins of the father shall be visited upon the sons. Oh, sorry, upon the children. I don't know if you've heard this quote before. The sins of the fathers are visited upon the children. And this was a, uh, a theme, you know, like they did this pretty well. I think Black Panther was praised as the first Marvel movie to actually have a villain that was more than two-dimensional. It was a gr great, great, great idea because before that you had just had villains that were like, ha ha, I'm evil. I want world domination. I want to kill the world. And in this one, you had a villain who was wronged and saw a problem with the world. And this is the idea about writing great villains as well, is you have someone that is, uh, you agree with what they want to achieve, but not the way they want to achieve it, right? The end result, what they want, freedom for everyone around the world. They don't want anyone to be oppressed. Great, great, great idea. The way that they're going to do it, war, outright war. No, can't do it. And how the villain actually changes the protagonist. In the beginning, um, you know, Black Panther wanted to keep Wakanda secrets. He wanted to keep Wakanda to Wakanda. And he was being pushed by, you know, his love interest as well to care about more than beyond Wakanda. And then, of course, Killmonger comes in and forces him to reconcile this fact that he needs to be able to then share Wakanda with the world and announce Wakanda, which is great. That's wonderful. But the idea of this sins of the father are visited upon the children is that, okay, his father made a mistake. And he's rectifying it. Okay, fantastic. But what was the sin of Killmonger's father? Caring? Like, okay, so that doesn't work there. And more to the point, we see this again, this idea of like, well, 
Killmonger was seen as almost like a traitor, as uh, a corruption of Wakanda. And that's ultimately what his father was seen as as well. But actually, his father was just seen as very compassionate and kind. So once again, sins of the father visited upon the children as a theme. But here's where the problem lies as well, is the idea that there was one white guy in the movie, technically, right, which was Martin Freeman's character. And literally, they were calling him a colonizer and telling him uh, that he had no right to speak. And after this, actually in South Africa, this became like a bit of a, a meme as well, a thing where African people were running around telling white people to shut up because they were colonizers. And this is still to this day running on now where you know it's considered to be this idea of like, you are white, therefore you are X. And this is the idea as well that I think um, is is a bit crazy about what Wakanda is showing us. So let me summarize it like this. The aesthetics of Wakanda, the world building, what they chose was beautiful. It really gave you a sense and a feel. But the reality of Wakanda is one where it's, this is an unsustainable system, right? Who who cleans, who does the sewerage of Wakanda? You know, that's, that's a quick question. You know, who cleans the houses? Are, is it Wakandan residents? In which case there is going to be a hierarchy. The fact that they have, you know, clan leaders, tribal leaders, things like that. The fact that they have, you know, a monarchical government. Again, it suggests this idea of the stratification of your society, where there are people who are considered better than others or haves and haves nots. So how is that better than what we've got today? Except we didn't see it. And there's an argument that they, oh, they have a king because they don't actually have money. And like, you don't see people exchanging money. So Wakanda doesn't have a currency, for example. Why? Well, because uh, although they mine and refine vibranium, they also control all the technology based on vibranium. And so, oh, they, they must have robots because everyone's living happy. You know, there's no need for income, all of that type of stuff. Whoa, well, that's wonderful. So people are just out there making food and giving it to people. Okay, all right. I can buy that as well. But, you know, this still brings up an issue of like, well, who's doing all the cleaning? You know, I didn't see, you know, one speck of dirt when I, when I watched the movies. You know, you normally see like even in the Korean scene, you know, there, was, there were people sitting outside in let's say a less than beautiful flea market. You know, you still get this servitude kind of thing there where you can see, oh, this is real life. Why? Because there are some people who are lower than others that are doing things that they don't necessarily like. And that that creates a problem. I'm I'm rambling a little bit here, but I think you get my point. So let me round it out by just saying this idea of like the cons of what Black Panther was putting down in terms of a value system, in terms of how do we judge people? And so if we judge people based on what what their father's sins were, like calling them a colonizer, for example, just for the fact that they are white, we silo them. And this is the biggest issue that I found as well, is that if everyone has the same accent, then we silo them as African. And I mean, is it a surprise then that you've got you know people running around saying like Africa is a country? Like what? I mean, yes, that that's a whole other, you know, let's say bag of snakes to kind of get into where we're talking about education. But this idea of Africa is not a very well-known continent. Not a lot of people will be able to point at separate countries in Africa or even like what is the common language here or there or anything like that. And 
what Black Panther led with was this idea of look how beautiful we are, look at how amazing we look, and not necessarily based on these are the values that we have and our values are here. And so what I found is that when you look at their economy, number one, their economy is controlled. Number two, when you look at their governance, their governance is, again, controlled. And those were the things that I think spoke to me because my values are one of we work together and we create freedom. We create a better a better world by being better versions of ourselves, by knowing how to go up against hardships. And if Wakanda was really this place where no one had to work because there was no such thing as money, because everyone's basic needs were met, why weren't these people like monks and scholars instead? You know, and so it just leads to this idea of like, well, this is a normal society, but a normal society has crime. It has a lot of problems and those problems come out of like economic turmoil. And so, you know, part of me just thinks like a real life Wakanda would actually be a very, very bad thing. Very bad thing indeed. Um, you know, it wouldn't be as rosy as we saw it. Um, and we can compare that type of economy as well with, like I said, other places that have similar like singular resource economies or, you know, um, a, a monarchy as a government. And what does that look like? And then also, uh, you know, countries that control an entire resource, global resource, and they can try, uh, control the entire production chain and the technology of that. I mean, they're literally manufacturing their own weaponry, their own transportation. I mean, you saw some of those like ships, their stealth technology was phenomenal. You know, I mean, they represent like a very valid threat to everyone if they decided to, you know, manufacture or share that. And if they're against capitalism and they're against colonizers, you know, where did, where does that lead them to? And I think more to the point is if you look at the, you know, what's going on in Africa today, the, the results is that, you know, you're not necessarily inspired by them sharing their technology, their, their war machines in a sense, with our other African nations where you've got, you know, countries that are breaking out into uh, genocides, countries that are breaking out into civil wars, and why? It's because of instability in governance. And that's where it comes from, that instability of governance. It's not the people. It's not the wealth of a country necessarily because we can, con can compare and contrast, but it's usually got to do with the governance and the people who are sitting up at the top. So, ah, okay. I love Black Panther. I think it's a great movie. I think it asks some fantastic questions. But what do you think? Where do you think I'm wrong? Where do you think I've hit the nail on the head? I'd love to hear your thoughts. I love having these kind of conversations. It's just a different perspective to look at with Black Panther. And it's been an interesting one for me. I like the fact that it truly is an amalgamation of loads of styles across Africa and exposes so many people to like, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. How cool is this? How cool is that? You know, I did think that it was wonderful for a lot of those things, that it stayed so true to a lot of like African instruments. Um, the, the accents, like I loved all of that. But I am a huge person who values character and who values, let's say values, having values. What are, what are the core values of Wakanda? Secrecy? If, you had, if Wakanda was a person, what in its behavior would it tell you that it valued? 
you know it values making machinery and weaponry that it values making technology and not sharing it so what what exactly is that telling you of the personality of wakanda um, based on their actions and that's the final question that i'll leave with you is this one about values if you look at all of your behavior in the past just like we're doing now with wakanda regardless of how you present yourself the aesthetics of yourself or like the themes that you would connect yourself with based on your decisions to do or not do things what value does that show to other people and i'll leave you with that until the next time ciao for now